Let me pray for us as we start session three. Heavenly Father, we want to come to you again and again ask that you would make our church what you want it to be. God, strong and healthy, every part doing, doing the work. God, we also just want to pray that you would make us the kind of people that you want us to be. We want to call out to you right now, God, please make us more like Christ. I mean, as we continue talking and dig into this third session, God, help us see how some of these things are so essential, even just in that, in our pursuit of godliness. So God, please just do great things through this time this morning. God, even build relationships right here, right now in this room and build all of us up in Christ and build up your church for his glory. We pray this all in his name. Amen. All right, session number three, the title, if you want to write that down, the title is The Leader's Power Source. The Leader's Power Source. Probably every single person in this room owns a cell phone. And so that's something that has become more indispensable in our lives over the last 20 years or so is the cell phone charger. Because they have yet to make a cell phone that runs forever. At some point, you're going to get that notification that pops up on your screen and says, hey, you've only got 20% left. Do you want to kick it into low battery mode or what? Um, And that's when I usually say, no, but I need to plug it in. The, the, The phone is not going to survive forever. You need to plug it in to a power source. And it needs to get charged up. Well, the same really is true about spiritual leadership. It's really a call to pour yourself out for others. Well, you you can't do that infinitely. You need to be plugged in. You need to get charged up. What does that look like? I mean, I wish it was as simple as, you know, plug it into a wall. But thankfully, it's more complicated, but it's also a lot better, right? How are you going to be powered up to serve other people? And the main passage I want us to start from this time is John chapter 15. John chapter 15. And it's interesting, it's actually an example that involves being plugged in to something else. John chapter 15. It's the example of the vine and the branches. Jesus says, I am the true vine. And my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. And if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So here we see what what do we need to be plugged into? We need to be plugged into the vine. And Jesus keeps using this phrase, abide 
in me. It's the idea of, you know, abiding or, or living or remaining, staying somewhere, abide in me. And, and even later there in verse 7, it has this idea, some of the things that that looks like is that it means my words abide in you. And when my words are abiding in you, it's going to lead to you asking whatever you wish, and it will be done for you, right? It even leads to, hey, my words, you talking to God through prayer. And so what does it mean? What does it look like to abide in Christ? Well, that's a long conversation. We could spend three hours talking on that, because there's a lot of things, I think, involved there. But basic, very practical, tangible things would be this. I don't know how you could have a conversation of what does it practically look like to abide in Christ without talking about what well, that's going to mean me consuming God's Word and me talking to God in prayer. Spending time in the Word and spending time pouring my heart out to God in prayer. And if you want to lead others spiritually, there's no way you're going to do that without these things. Because these are practical things that keep you abiding in Christ, keep you focused on Him. Or you could also think of the picture of, of Mary and Martha. I mean, we could listen to what we're going to hear today and then especially what we're going to hear next week and turn into a bunch of Marthas, right? Man, there's a lot to do. Let's get cracking, right? And run around, get busy with all this stuff. When Mary, what's she doing? She's sitting at the feet of Jesus, right? She's soaking up what he has to say, listening to his teaching. And if we want to be productive servants... We need to spend that time at the feet of Jesus, and that's where we're going to find the strength and the power to do what we need to do. And you're like, wow, I came to a church event, and I was told to read the Bible and pray. I'm shocked to hear that, right? I'm shocked to find at a church they're telling me to read the Bible and pray. And I know sometimes that sounds simplistic, so let me be clear. What I am not saying is, hey, read your Bible and pray, and you'll be a great spiritual leader. What I am saying is, if you don't spend that time with the Lord in the Word and in prayer, you won't be a spiritual leader. You, you, you need this, and I even want us to, to think about how it would impact you as you lead others. And it's all going to start with, we've got to view God's Word and time with Christ the right way. We have to, as we've often said, see this as a get-to, not a got-to. If we're, if we're seeing time with the Lord as, ah, got to check that off the list, got to hey, get that done so I can get to all the important things I have to do today, we're getting it wrong. It would be like me trying to teach someone about the greatest game in the world, the game of golf. And, and, and me trying to teach them, well, you, you, you can practice golf, you can play golf, it's amazing, you can even watch golf, it's, it's awesome, and you can do all these things, and they're being like, so how much of that do I got to do? If they said that, I'd be like, oh, this person doesn't get it, right? If they got it, they'd be saying, how much can I do, right? I mean, it's not that I can get enough. I'm going to do as much as I can. And that's the way we should be thinking, and that's especially the way that a leader should be thinking, right? Somebody comes up to me and says, how much golf is enough? I'm going to say, I object to the question, right? Because there's a, there's a misconception there. And I'm saying that half tongue-in-cheek, right? When I get serious is when somebody asks me how much Bible is enough, how much prayer is enough, then I'm like, whoa, whoa, time out. We have a problem because that is a seriously flawed question. 
And again, obviously, do we have things we got to do? Can any of us just spend all day, every day reading the Bible and praying? No, we've got stuff to do. But our heart should be, man, I want that time. I need that time. Not to perform some obligation, but I need that vine pumping life into me. And I need it every single day. So I want us to talk about reading the Bible or studying the Bible, spending time in the Word and, and praying. And I want us to think about some of those things maybe in ways that not just, okay, yes, I'm doing it, but what are some of the things we should focus on or even the questions that we should ask when we want to be doing that and doing it in a way that it's going to fill us up to, to serve and to lead other people. So let's start by spending time in God's Word. And again, I'm, I'm just going to make the point, do it. You need to, to do it. Spend time every day reading God's Word, uh, studying God's Word. Uh, I mean, get into God's Word as many ways as you can. But what I want to give you today is, hey, here's three objectives you should have. You know, every day, every week, as you interact with God's Word, three objectives that you should have that, one, will change you, and back to session two, help form you into the kind of person that you need to be, but two, will also then equip you to go out and to lead others. So first, three objectives for your time in God's Word. Whether you're, you're reading and you're doing the Revival from the Bible uh, reading program that some of us are doing, or whether you've got your own system, or you're doing more deeper study through a book or through a passage, three objectives. And the first is learn. Learn. Be a student. As you read through God's Word, as you study, one objective you should have is that you know something that you didn't know before. That, that you're still learning things that, that you haven't seen before. I am confident that all of us could spend all of our lives studying God's Word and find out there is still more to learn. Can I get an amen? amen. So let's make sure that we're doing it. Let's make sure that we are learning. And that's why, I mean, I hope your time in the Word is beyond, you know, I just keep kind of cycling through my five favorite passages, right? That maybe it's, hey, I'm going to be reading through the whole Bible. And if you do that every year, it can get to a point where it's like, I remember this, I remember this, I remember this. And I got to say, time out, are you learning anything new? And if the answer is no, I'm saying, well, it's not because there's nothing new to learn, Right? Stop. Look at things maybe that you haven't. What's the thing that you still don't understand? And dig deeper into that. Or if you're studying deeper, pick parts of the Bible that you're not as familiar with and, and dig in and learn what there is to learn. You know, set up, pitch your tent in the book of Zechariah for a while and find out what it's all about and learn something new that you haven't done before, right? If you're not challenging yourself, and even on that level, again, how would you challenge other people, right? That's one of the ways this is essential for spiritual leadership. If you're not, I, I want to learn more, and I'm hungry to learn, uh, how are you going to be used by other people? I mean, I would assume you would all want that from your pastor. If I was up here saying, well, hey guys, I've got it all figured out, and let me tell you what I know, I'm guessing, I mean any exit that's available, you guys are making a stampede that way, right? That's not what you would want. That's not what God wants in any leader. We should all have that. I'm still hungry to learn. There's still more that I don't know. And hopefully we experience that on a daily or at least, you know, every week, multiple times a week, I'm seeing things that I didn't learn. And that's where I would give the reminder, gold doesn't grow on trees. You have to dig for it, right? 
And a lot of this is going to take work and effort to dig for it. That's objective number one. Objective number two, as you spend time in God's Word, is worship. Worship. God's Word is telling us who God is. And and what's at the center of the message of God's Word? This wonderful thing called the Gospel. The good news that God took on flesh, the Son of God walked this planet, lived the perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, and rose again. And there's hope for sinners like you and me and the rest of the world. Hallelujah. And as we read the Bible, if we're not stopping and saying, wow, God is awesome. And what He has done for me through Jesus Christ is better than I can ever wrap my mind around. Right? We're doing it wrong. We need to be looking at God's Word and leaving saying, wow, God is great. And every day I'm seeing that He is greater than I thought He was. This is important. And I want you to see, if you want to impact other people, you need this. Because, trust me, you say, hey God, use me in the lives of other people, He's going to answer that prayer, and it's going to stretch you. It's, It's not going to be easy. And you need to come back and remember, wow, I serve a big God. I serve a God who is able to do more than I could ask or imagine. And even as I'm reading through the Old Testament, the New Testament, all over, I see everywhere that that's true. And that encourages me that it's not up to me. It's not a question of what I can do. It's a question of what God can do. And also, we talked about in session one, one of the things you have to do is care. Care more about Jesus and love Him and want to see more people love Him. Well, that needs to be fed by the Word of God. The more we dig into Scripture, the more we should say, wow, Look at who Jesus is. Look at how amazing He is. And that's going to motivate me to to pour into other people, to encourage other people, because every day I'm seeing Jesus is worth it. Jesus is better. And that fires me up to pour that in to other people. We need that. Learn, worship, and then the third objective is apply. Apply. We talked in session two about setting the pace, right? Well, we should be getting that from our time in God's Word. What difference should this make in my life? And maybe even a a helpful check is just look at those five things we just talked about from 1 Timothy 4.12. I've been studying through this book, or I've been reading through this book. What difference should that make in my speech? What difference should that make in my conduct? What difference should that make in my love, in my faith? In my purity. If our Bible study is only ever head in the clouds and never rubber meets the road, we've got a problem, right? And especially if you want to lead others, if the main way we're going to lead is lead by example. If God's Word is just stopping at our heads uh, and not ever getting to our actions, it's not going to be what it needs to be, right? You, you see, learn, worship, apply. We've got to get into the Word, and first it's got to get into our heads where we're learning something we didn't know. Then it's got to make its way to our hearts where we're saying, wow, this is who God is, and that affects me from the inside out. And then it moves to my actions, to my hands and my feet, and what I'm doing today. And what I've found is probably each of us are more strong in some of these areas than others, Right? Some of you, you you love digging in where you're learning a ton all the time. But maybe then you're not as strong in, okay, what difference does that make in my life? And some of you, it's like, what difference does this make to me today? And if it doesn't seem relevant, I'm out, right? And there's not that effort. I need to dig in. I need to learn. I need to study. And, And even then, let's not skip over 
who it's all talking about and worshiping him. If it's just, what does this mean? And boom, all right, this is what I'm going to do today. And it's not, wow, this is the God who's going to empower me to do that and has saved me from my sin so I can't even do that. We're missing something. So spend time in God's word and constantly check yourself. Learn, worship, apply. I want to see all of those things happening as I spend time in God's word. Let's move on to prayer and talk about that for a moment. First thing I'd encourage you is connect what you're praying with what you're reading. I mean, if you're really learning, worshiping, and applying, that gives you something to talk to God about right there. Personally, that's how I try to start my prayer time every day. It's based on, hey, what am I convicted about? What am I amazed at God about? What am I encouraged by? And let's just start by talking to God about those things and what's going on in my life. But then as we talk about prayer, there's two other passages that I want us to look at. And one is, I mean, let's just go straight to the source, straight to the master himself, Jesus Christ. And let's go to Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus teaches us how to pray. Matthew 6, verse 9. And you might not have even had to turn there because... We could probably recite this passage together right now. It's the Lord's Prayer. But what I want to show to you is, even if you, if you dig into this passage and even to the Greek, there are six requests. There are six imperative statements that Jesus is teaching the disciples to make. So it starts by saying, Our Father in heaven, right? Which we could camp on that for a while. I mean, that should be like, wait, God's in heaven, yet He's my Father. He's holy but approachable at the same time. Wow. Our Father in heaven, and then it gets into the six requests. So number one is, hallowed be your name. Number two is, your kingdom come. Number three is, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Number four is, give us this day our daily bread. Number five is, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And then number six, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So even what I want you to notice at first, there's six requests. How many of them focus on physical needs? One. One out of six. Which, what is that, like 16% or so of, of prayers? And then, so then 84% is focusing on spiritual things? Let's just start there. If you want to be a spiritual leader, does the ratio of prayers in your life look like that? The vast majority focused on spiritual things, and then some, hey, focused on physical things. Even how many of these prayers refer to God and His mission and His purposes versus how many relate to us? And that's 50-50. Half of the requests are focused on God and what He's doing, and then half of it focuses on us and our needs, and even most of that half is focused on our spiritual needs. Let's make our prayers follow this pattern. I mean, starting off, the first request is, hallowed be your name. That should be where our prayers are focused. God, I want to see you glorified. I want to see you honored, and I want to see you praised. Let your kingdom come. I mean, right now, the kingdom is advancing as, as the church grows and as people are called out of darkness and into the kingdom of Christ. How often are you praying for people to get saved? 
hopefully that's an everyday thing. And in the ultimate sense, we should be praying for Christ to return. Let's be praying for that regularly. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? I mean, what a great picture of sanctification is that? That I want my life to be a reflection of what God would want in heaven. That's what I want my life to be a reflection of right here on planet earth. And that, are you praying that for yourself? Are you praying that for your friends? Are you praying that for your church? Those would be great things. And then we pray, okay, God, give me my daily bread, which even is a simple, God, just give me what I need, right? And then we, we talk about forgiveness. I mean, how we should all be growing, setting the example of growth in Christ-likeness. How's that going to happen if a regular part of our prayer life is not God? Forgive me. And God, I want to confess the attitudes and the actions that I'm seeing in my heart that aren't tracking with what I know that you want. And lead me not into temptation. God, protect me. Protect me from temptation. Protect me from evil. I hope this is what our prayers look like. Was there ever a spiritual leader better than Jesus? And did not his 12 disciples turn into 12 of the, well, 11 of the greatest spiritual leaders of all time? This is how he taught him to pray. Now, if we go back to John, I want us to look at John chapter 14 and starting, let's just look at verse 13, which echoes something that we already read in 15, where he's saying, if my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. John 14, 13 says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, I'll be real with you. I'm not going to act like I've got that passage all figured out, right? That passage sometimes makes me scratch my head a little bit when it's like, wow, it's saying, whatever you ask, I'm going to do it. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. The problem, I think, is so many times we kind of retreat and say, well, that can't really mean what I think it's meaning, right? There, there must be so many like provisos and quid pro quos and you know, all these conditions that I don't know that I'm ever going to understand that. I think that's a bad reaction to this text. I think this text does want us to stretch. It, it does want us to have more faith in Christ. Now, do I always look like what that look like? And can, am I going to stand up here and say, hey, everything I ask for pff, happens, right? No, but this should stretch our faith. And I think one way, if we want to see this verses happen in our life, let's pray more the kind of things that God tells us to pray. Start praying more for God's kingdom to come, right? That's a prayer we know He wants us to pray. I mean, next time you need wisdom, go to God and say, I need wisdom. And believe He is going to say yes, because He tells you He's going to say yes. James 1.5, if anyone that lacks wisdom, let him ask God. You lead other people, guess what? You're going to find moments where this is bigger than me. God, I need help. I need grace and mercy. You can go to God and you can pray, God, I need your help. I need your grace and mercy. And you can say, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, yes is the answer to that prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Because he tells me. In Hebrews, we can boldly approach the throne of grace to find help and confidence and strength in the time of need because of what Jesus has done for us. Let's pray more of those prayers that we know God's telling us, ask me for these 
things. And not so much, I mean, the extreme, you know, just, hey, give me the new car, give me the better this or that, right? That, hey, I don't know what God's will is in that. Let's, let's pray more of the prayers that we know what God's will is. Pray more for spiritual things. Pray more intentionally for other people, right? Start taking these things, and it's now as you want to influence other people, start praying for them. And pray for them like Jesus probably would pray, even focused on their character, focused on their faith, focused on their growth. I mean, how many prayer meetings are we at where basically someone's saying, hey, here's a trial I'm going through, and all we do is pray, hey, God, take this trial away. When God says, count it joy when you encounter trials because I'm working on your character. I think in trials, we should be praying more for people's character than just for the trial to go away. Pray that for others. It's not just, hey, let's make sure that we're in the Word and let's make sure that we're praying. If we want to have an impact on others, I think it's going to impact, well, what does that look like for us to be in the Word and what should our prayers look like as well? I was back at our sending church a couple months ago and uh, there was a new pastor there that I hadn't really worked with, but the plan is now for him at some point, probably these next couple years to go and plan a church and we didn't have too long to talk, so he's like, hey, What's the one, like, if you could tell me this is the most important thing, planning a church. And I just looked at him and I said, read your Bible and pray every single day, right? You, if you don't do that, it's not going to happen. Now, is there a lot more that you need to learn? Absolutely. But start with that. I can't imagine being a part of this church. I can't imagine serving the Lord every day without waking up every morning and saying, I'm plugging in. I need life. I need direction. I need help. And where some of the biggest differences are going to be made in our church even isn't going to be on a Sunday morning. It isn't going to be in a conversation you have with somebody else here on this planet. It's going to be something that happens when you are all by yourself. Some of the biggest victories that are going to be won at our church are going to be won in the privacy of your prayer closet or wherever it is that you are spending time alone with God and he is working on your heart and you're pouring your heart out to him and you're calling out for God to work and saving souls as you lift up specific people or you lift up the people in your circle that you are hoping that God will work on through trials. God can do more in a second than you can do in a lifetime. So let's act like it by leaning on him, calling out to him and praying to him and letting him speak to us through his word. That's the leader's power source.